Hey guys, thanks for checking us out. On this episode, we sit down with photographer Justin Self, who just completed his hike of the entire Appalachian Trail. From start to finish, the trail is over 2,000 miles long, and it took him over 140 days to complete. It was a really awesome conversation hearing about the logistics and challenges of doing such an incredible hike, which he admitted was one of the hardest things he's ever done in his life. So whether you're an experienced thru-hiker or if you've ever thought about hiking the AT for the first time, this is a really cool episode to check out. You can find our show on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Heavy Ultra. Oh, this is heavy. Uh, before we get started, I do want to mention uh, a local company called Weatherford reached Weatherford. out to us, and uh, they have some uh, pretty wild products, uh, some CBD and some Delta-8 uh, drinks. And, but it's a and, seltzer, right? It's a yeah. seltzer CBD. Yeah, so I'm going with the uh, with the seltzer water. It's the white water? We have white water and what? Uh, there's water? a there's a black water in there, too. So what's has... the difference? The, TL, the TLC? The TLC, <laughs> yeah. CBD and THC. Yeah, so I'm not a huge fan, and I told them this when they asked me. I was like, I'm not a huge fan of the Delta 8 stuff, but um, they said, no, we got these CBD things, so I figured I'd give that a try. Uh, they do have some other products that will knock your socks off. you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. that seems pretty interesting, though. Sells no, it's pretty good, dude. I'm trying it. Right. Good, so... Uh, yeah, I'll link them in the description below. If anybody out there listening is interested, uh, check out Weatherford. And uh, also a huge shout out to Good People Brewing, keeping oh, yeah. us hydrated. For sure. Always love those guys. Um, good people. Justin, dude, you survived, man. He's I bad. Oh my gosh. You... Back from the woods. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to have you on uh, ever since you embarked on your journey hiking the entire Appalachian Trail, um, which is a huge insane. accomplishment. It's insane. Yeah. Thank you. How many how many days or how long were you on trail? So I started May 10th. Um, there's an approach trail that kind of leads up to the AT or the Appalachian Trail. So you do that. Did that May 10th. Um, finished October 3rd. That's when I summited to Katahdin. And uh, so that was 146 days, I think, is what I had. That is insane. That is insane. But it's actually not, I mean, so like when I was first um, doing research and like seeing how long it would take, like the average was like five to seven. So, I mean, I couldn't imagine being out there for seven months. Like I would have spent way more money, you know, just and just been away from, you know, so seven months would have been a long time. But um, so I actually started late because most people start um, you got some people that will start in February. Um, that's like very early because what you're trying to do is if you start in March and April, you're with what's called the bubble. That's like the main group of people that are just making their way, the bubble that's moving up, you know, north, northeast. So if you start in February, you're kind of in front of that. Um, if you start, you know, March and April, you're going to be around those people. So you're going to go into Dollar General or Walmart and they're going to be out of the, the stuff you're looking for. Like Everything. if you're looking for yeah. tortillas or all the hiker stuff, you know, ramen, like they're just going to be wiped out. So, um, I started late, not really knowing that I was starting late because I mean, I was kind of ill-prepared, you know, like I didn't, you know, people were like, what did you do for training? Exactly. And How do you prepare for something like you that? You just, you just go. fucking go. Yeah. You just start, it. start walking. Yeah. Um, start walking. <laughs> yeah. So I like didn't really do much research into a lot of stuff. And a lot of people that were, you know, my friends and family were pretty worried just because of like how little research I did. But I, the AT is kind of like, it's a really tough hike, but it's one that you can 
start off with because the logistics of it as far as like how how much you have between towns and resupplies and uh you know there's a lot of water along the trail that you can gather and and filter um it's pretty easy um the only the the main thing is just mental you know you're out there that long you're waking up hiking 20 miles breaking down you know breaking down camp hiking 20 miles cooking setting up your tent waking up breaking down camp hiking 20 miles finding somewhere to, to camp cooking you know, you're doing the same thing over and over again so it's mainly mental but um you know i started way behind everybody so uh towards the end like i was catching up to people that had started in march like mm. i remember i got to this one hostel in maine and um you know we had kind of like been behind the bubble the whole time and every now and then we'd start getting getting to see more people and stuff like that but just leading up towards the end, we're starting to see all these people. And uh, we're coming to this one hostel. It's called Shaw's. Um, it's a pretty popular, iconic hostel. And we get there, and I'm like, maybe they won't be that busy. But there's 80 people on their property. Oh, and it's like God. it's just a house. It's not like a hotel or anything. You know, right. a lot of these hostels are just in like a house. So, I mean, they had private rooms. You could you can have, they have bunk rooms and stuff. There was like 30 tents on their, their yard. So... <laughs> It was pretty intense, so I, I really didn't want to catch up to people, but in the end, you know, we ended up catching up to people just because we, it's not that we hiked fast or did a lot of miles each day. It's just because we didn't really take many days off towards the end, you know. Um, I was with a good group of people that they were motivated. They were uh, serious about finishing. They weren't big partiers. Like if we went to town, we wouldn't, hey, let's go to this bar and hang out all night. You know, they were pretty serious about doing miles and not taking a zero, which is like a day that you don't, you don't hike right. at all. You do zero miles. So they were really, you know, adamant about not doing zeros and knocking miles out and at the same time having fun. So I ended up with a good group of people, um, for probably about two thirds of the hike and, uh, we knocked it out. Man, so, can, can you imagine like throwing down like one good night oh. and having to wake up the next day and yeah. hike 20 miles. So there were people that they, they would call it getting vortexed. Like different <laughs> okay. groups would go to a town and maybe take like two or three days off. Like you could just get stuck there. Um, and it's very easy. Like when I was by myself at first, um, waking up at eight o'clock and not really start getting your day started until nine or 10. But towards the end, you know, you're running out of daylight. So the past, the last two weeks, I think we were getting up at 5 a.m., rolling out of camp at six, hiking until 6, p 6 p.m. Cause you know, you're further north, so the days are shorter. So um, I remember, I think the last, one of the last few days, like sunset was at like 6 p.m. And this is before time changes, before you get into winter. So this is just fall, you know, I, I think up there, their shortest days, like it gets dark at like 3.30, which is insane. Like, I don't know if Damn. I could handle what? that. Yeah, Dude, I didn't know Just that. because you're further north. Um, so um you gotta you really have to be motivated and self-discipline self-motivation and i'm not really good with that so like there were days where like i said i started at 9 or 10 and you know hiked until you know 7 or 8 p.m because during your longest days it doesn't really get dark until like 9 especially mm. if you're further south so you're able to just kind of be lazy about it but towards the end you really gotta kick kick it into gear and and get your get your crap done well, dude, let's take it back. So, <laughs> when did you decide, hey, I'm going to tackle the Appalachian Trail in its entirety? Mm -hmm. You know, people section hike and just do different parts of it. Yeah. I mean, we were talking earlier before we started rolling that um, Katie and I went and did the um, 
the Timberline Trail in Oregon. And that was only, I think, three nights, four days, 40 miles total. Mm. And it it was all we could do to finish. You know, towards the end, we were like, oh, my God, get me out of the woods. I'm done. You were just ready yeah. to get back to the hotel. <laughs> so what was the motivation to even attempt this in the beginning? Yeah, so I've always enjoyed, you know, hiking and camping. I'm more like, I mean, I say I enjoy hiking, but I didn't think I enjoyed it that much. <laughs> Because uh, I had friends that were always like, you know, I didn't really ever see you as a hiker. And there was a lot of people that I met on trail that were like, I'm, I'm not a hiker. I'm just out here doing this. So I think it was last year when I finally decided to leave Publix. You know, I'd been there for 14 years. And, 14 years? Yeah. Wow, dude. <laughs> yeah. And so That's I crazy. You know, finally decided to wrap that up. Um, you know, and, and like traveling and photography had always been something that I wanted to do. And I started reading into like when you should start and I heard, or, you know, March, April. Um, so I was like, okay. So at the beginning of this year, I took a long trip in my van. I was gone for, I think 50 days, drove 11,000 miles. And I was at, towards the end of my, like, okay, I need to, if I want to do the AT, I need to get back home and really start getting ready for it. So, um, I think it was towards the end of last year when I finally decided, you know, Hey, I got to do this thing now. Cause I don't know you know, where I'll be next year. Um, I don't know if I'll find a job or if I'll be stuck in my van, you know, doing just photo work for, for anybody. So I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and knock it out. Um, so I think that was kind of when I finally decided to, and then like, I think leading up to the, a few weeks before I still wasn't sure. So then I started like buying shit and I'm like, okay, I'm, I gotta actually go. If I'm this gonna, is for real. I'm going to buy all this stuff. Yeah. Now, would you consider yourself like a, an ultralight hiker or, i wasn't or, at first so um i mean you hike 20 miles you like uh, okay i need to lose ditch yeah. some stuff yeah. Well, yeah we've had you on the podcast before obviously you're big into photography and stuff mm -hmm. um how much camera gear did you take with you oh, yeah. so heavy. i took my sony a7r4 and i took the lens had one extra battery i had the camera strap it's not like the one that came with it. it's a peak design strap that you can easily click on and off and then I had like a small tripod that, you know, it was just like a tabletop tripod. So I think all that together weighed four pounds, which at the beginning, I'm like, oh, that's nothing, you know, but looking back, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up sending the tripod home like after a month because I used it like twice. Uh, and then I ended up sending the strap on eventually because I got one of those clips that you can clip on your backpack yeah and it was terrible as well i hated it because like i mean you think if you put it on your that's two pounds that's just pulling the front of your strap down so like i could probably only hike with it on there for a few miles and it would start to bother me so i'd kind of swap it up you know leave it in my pack some if i'm constantly taking it off and shooting here shooting there putting it back and then hiking some more and shooting you know it didn't really bother me but it was just you know they call the at the green tunnel you're walking through the woods without a view for probably like 95 percent of the time Dang. yeah so um i really didn't shoot a whole lot so i would probably leave it in my bag most of the time but yeah it was probably four pounds with all that but once i got it down to just the camera the lens and one extra battery i think it was you know a little over three pounds how much do you think your bag weighed when you started? So when I started, um, they have a thing called base weight, and that's your everything you have minus food, minus fuel, and no water. So I didn't know that at first. So I weighed everything minus water, and I think it was 42 pounds. 42 pounds. Yeah. Now, I'm not a hiker, um, so is that a lot? At first, I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm under 50. I'm good. Yeah. So um, 
you know, it, it took a few weeks. I started, or a couple weeks, I guess. I sent a few things home, and then later on, I started sending more home. And in Irwin, Tennessee, I can't remember how many miles in that is, but I decided to get a new backpack. So I had an Osprey, which just the bag, I think, was almost four pounds. And then I swapped to this one company called Hyperlight Mountain Gear, and they make like ultralight you know, stuff yeah. like tents, uh, bags and stuff like that. So I swapped to that bag and it weighed, I think, uh, I got the, the taller one. So it weighed like two pounds. So right then off the bat, I was saving two pounds, you know, and then I was like, okay, I got to get serious about this if I want to finish because, um, I was very adamant about starting at Springer and ending at Katahdin. Cause a lot of times if, if you're running out of time where you're going slow, you hike up and then you've do what's called flip-flopping where you'll get driven or fly and you'll go to Katahdin and then you start hiking south. It just buys you more time because you're, you're hiking yeah. with the, with the weather changing or whatever. So I didn't want to do that, but you know, I started late. So every single person I was passing that was day hiking or just out there, you know, hiking, they're like, Oh, you're going to have to flip-flop. You're going to need an ice pick when you get to Katahdin to climb it. You're starting so late. And I was just like, at first I was like, Oh, okay, I guess I will, you know, but after a while, you know, it got kind of old when people tell you that. Cause I, like after Irwin, I kind of got serious. I'm like, okay, I need to do this many miles a day. If I want to finish, yeah, I, I can take this many days off, which, you know, I started really not taking days off. Um, and, uh, so after I got that pack, sent some stuff home, it really took, I guess I was about halfway through and we went and bought a gram scale from Walmart and I weighed everything. Ziploc bags, grocery plastic <laughs> Are bags. You cutting your toothbrush and all yeah, that. Yeah, like I mean I didn't do that because I had like one of those bamboo ones. But yeah, I mean that's something a lot of people would do is cut their toothbrush and what? Save, cut the handle off the toothbrush. Save those like, grams. Save those man. grams. Yeah. yeah. So um I weighed everything and it's kinda and I put it in a Google Sheet so document. So you like have everything listed, you have the weight of everything. You can highlight all that and it gives you your total weight. So it's easier if you have everything listed out. You can say, okay, well, this doesn't weigh much. It's two ounces. But if I send this home with these other two things, that's eight ounces I'm saving, you know? So I did that. And that's when I probably sent home a lot of shit. Like it was summertime. So I was like, I don't need my jacket. I don't need my rain jacket, which I probably should have kept my rain jacket at least. Because I mean, it. most of the time if it's raining, it's too hot to hike in anyways. Because you're like... Is, is my arm sweaty or is it rain coming through, you know, because you, you just get drenched inside from sweat if it if it's in the middle of the summer. Yeah. So I sent home everything. I think I had like um, just one extra change of clothes for like if I got to camp and I was wet, I had something dry at least. But a lot of times I just kind of wore my hiking clothes. So after I sent everything home, the low, the, the lightest my pat, my base weight ever was was like thirteen pounds. Oh dang! Yeah, so I, at the at the end, you know, I kind of just started like, yeah, I don't, I didn't want to carry anything. Um, That's and, a lot of weight to drop from forty to thirteen. Yeah, like forty two or whatever. So, and that was including my camera. So, like, if I if I didn't if I ditched my camera, I'd be you know right at eleven pounds. That's crazy. Um, That's so, crazy. Yeah, and I got it down pretty low, and it was really comfortable hiking with that. You know, there's a lot of um, people that you know, we'll say they're lighter than that. Or, you know, they're like, if, if they don't care about weight, they're like, Oh, it, it doesn't matter if, if your pack's that, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, it didn't hurt my hips. didn't hurt my shoulders as much. And, um, so what was your absolute, like, I have to have this. I cannot send this home no matter what. Did you keep your camera the whole time? Yeah. Okay. I would say it's my camera. Okay. Cause I mean, like there's like, it got down to what you have in your pack is your tent, your sleeping bag. Um, 
you have uh i even sent my cook stove home so like i wasn't cooking any food oh my god <laughs> just cold soaking or what? yeah cold soaking so like i if the first time i ever heard somebody doing that i was like this is stupid like what is I, cold soaking so what most people do is um you get some kind of container to put rice in or put ramen in and you just pour cold water in there or just water that's room temperature and then you start hiking and eventually it soaks it up and you just eat the ramen cold. That sounds like the worst. Really it really so it really does, but like man, like just getting to camp, if you get to camp late and you're like, Oh, I don't have to boil water, I don't have to pour it into this container and wait ten minutes for it to cook, like it's it's really awesome mm-hmm. to have your stuff ready. But I mean like probably twenty percent of the time I actually did ramen or rice in there. What I would normally do is get like an eight pack of frozen burritos. And they're good for like five days unthawed. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What kind of burritos? Just the cheap ones? From just the, yeah, dude. Just the ones that are, you know, tortilla. yeah. And then uh, Hot Pockets are good as well. Just get a pack of Hot Pockets and let them thaw out. Just and thaw in your back. Just right? walk yeah. for a week eating the Hot Pockets <laughs> yeah, and thaw it out. Dude, Put them in your crazy. pocket. That's body yeah. heat. <laughs> Heat it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it sounded crazy when I heard people doing that, but... I was like, okay, I can send my stove home and save a pound. But I was like, do I really want to eat cold ramen and stuff? And that one dude that was like, nah, dude, just carry burritos. Like that was kind of my selling point. I was like, okay, if I can just get away with burritos and, you know, let's do it. And you, like, I don't think, like, I always wanted to say, like, when I get home, I'm going to eat cold ramen. I'm going to eat these frozen burritos, just thawed out, not heated up and see like how stupid I was (laughs) to be like, oh man, this is gourmet, you know, because after a while, like you... It, everything just like whatever you're eating it's you, survival it, it doesn't matter like it just tastes so good yeah, yeah. sure you're, i'm yeah. sure you're burning like a million calories and you're, you're yeah. hiking you know what'd you say 20 miles a day was yeah your goal? yeah um i think from start to from start to finish i've got it in here somewhere <clears throat> it did take 146 days like i said to finish and uh i think i counted i took 10 days off like 10 zeros so um, that adds up to being like, you know, divided by or whatever, uh, 16.1 miles per day. But I mean, like the first day I hiked like eight miles. Um, where is the official start of the Appalachian Trail? It starts at Springer Mountain. Springer Mountain yeah. in Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you drive your van and then park it or did you fly? No. Right so I, I, my dad drove me halfway. I had a friend that lives in Atlanta pick me up halfway and drove me to her apartment in Atlanta. Then I had another friend that, lives like west of Atlanta that drove to pick me up and she drove me to the trailhead okay. which you do these the approach trail first it starts at Emma Colola Falls so you it's like eight and a half miles so you do that first and then you you cross the first white blaze which you know white blazes are what you follow on the AT um, so you cross the first white blaze and then uh, you keep going to like a shelter or wherever you want to camp um, so that first day really don't count. I mean, I wish I would have skipped it since I started late because you can drive and hike like a mile the wrong way to the very start of the trail, and then you can start the AT from there. Because hmm. that eight and a half miles, they call it the approach trail, but man, it was tough. Oh dang! Like I think I it could doesn't do it. even count. No, it don't, man. <laughs> what? Yeah, so like the first hundred miles, you're probably like, I did a hundred miles of the AT, but I really did 108. But after a while, you're like that eight miles is nothing. I'm not going to count it anymore. Yeah. But I mean. You you might get to camp and the water is point two down this side trail, so you have to go get water, which is point two. Then you have to walk back, which is point four, all together, and then um, you get to the top of this one this one lookout, and it's like oh, there's a view, you know, point two that way. So if you want to go see that, you go point two there and point two back. So all in all, I mean, you 
I probably walked a hundred extra miles that aren't counted just because you're, you're doing that. Now, are you wearing like a Fitbit or an Apple watch? No, or I just, um, so there's an app called gut hook. It's you download it's in different sections and you download these sections. So like you can see where you are on the trail off offline. Uh, Cause a lot of okay. times you don't have service. Sure. That's what I was saying. Like you're out there, buddy. Yeah. So you turn your phone on airplane mode and you turn the brightness all the way down. And that's what I usually did when I was hiking. I had an anchor, like 20,000 milliamp charging block mm -hmm. for my phone or to charge like my headphones, whatever I wanted to charge. Um, Sometimes you just turn your phone off if you know, like you're going through it, like through the Smokies, and you know, that's a bigger section, and you're not gonna have you know good service. So if you leave your phone like off airplane mode, the the battery is just getting drained because right. sometimes you forget that you didn't turn it off. Mm -hmm. So um, with this map, with this app though, you you have downloaded maps and it tells you where water is, it tells you where all the shelters are. Um, people can comment like if if it's dry that for that month, mm -hmm. there you might be like, okay, you're, this, this water source is five miles away, so I'm only going to carry a liter of water to that. But in the comments, like if it's dry, people will put, you know, that it's dry, there was no water, or it was a trickle, or there's water, but it's just pulled up and you got to scoop it. Mm -hmm. So people kind of help each other out with that, you know, with that app. And um, but it's got everything. You kind of made it too easy, honestly. Like. Um, if I do another hike, it'd be kind of cool to like have a paper map and that'd be rad. Yeah, and just you know go with it, which they do have like a it's called the AWOL guide. Um, the guy's trail name was AWOL, but he had like a paper and they updated every year, so it's pretty pretty current on like mileage and where all the hostels are and shelters and you know campsites and stuff like that. So he he came up with that guide, which is I had some friends that were using that. Um, but you don't know like if if there's a water source on there, you're like I don't know if it's dry or if right, it's flowing. Right if it's not flowing well so it just depends on you know what your preference is now is it hard to to lose your i guess to lose your way on the trail or is the trail pretty clearly marked mark oh it's clearly right? marked like there's blazes every you know sometimes you'll see one blaze on a tree here and you you can see the other one like as you're hiking like yeah. it's, it's within sight um but when you start getting to um uh, like national parks, like, you know, it goes through the Smokies and it goes through the, uh, through Shenandoah in, in Virginia. So there's all kinds of trails going everywhere. So it's kind of easy to get off trail, but I mean, most of the other trails are marked with different color blazes. Like there's no white blaze on a different trail. Like the, okay. if you, if you follow white blazes, you'll, it'll go from, you know, Georgia to Maine. So, um, it's pretty easy to follow, but I could, I mean, I definitely saw. I didn't think about other trails. I knew that, you know, when we did the, the, Timberline Trail, there was uh, sections where we were crossing like these big, massive, like uh, riverbeds. Yeah. And so you really don't have a trail. I mean, it's yeah. just boulders. And so they would have, you know, the um, the Karens, I guess, yeah. the little stacks of rocks and stuff. But I didn't know, like you said, with it being the green tunnel, if it's just like a hallway, like it's like yeah, pretty easy to stay on trail, I guess. So it, it is, but then there's, there's parts like... You know, Pennsylvania is known as Rocksylvania just because there's so many rocks. Like, you're hiking on rocks, like boulder fields and stuff like that. So there's sections of Pennsylvania where it's just rocks, and you're like, where does the trail go? So there were areas like that where I kind of, like, got off a little bit. Um, but you just kind of hike back to where you were, or you can pull up gut hook. And, you know, it's got, like, the arrow on there, and it's really precise with, like, which way you're facing. Uh -huh. Um so like if, if so you're, you're not gonna get lost. No, I mean there have been like there's there's one section where this woman went to use the restroom and couldn't find her way back to the trail and she ended up dying. Wow, yeah. really? Like I don't know how long she was out there for, but 
I mean, and then if you get up into like New Hampshire, like in the White Mountains, you know, you're above tree line on some places and like it's really windy. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if I can pull up the video to show you guys on, on this thing, but it was, it looks like we're in like some intense stuff. It was really crazy. Like we got this on Instagram. No, nah, I mean, I put it on my story oh, okay. eventually, but um, yeah, it was, I think it was I pretty crazy. That, yeah. Yeah. Just as like a windstorm, and the person in front of me can like barely walk. Oh, it was so wild. Looking back, having done how many miles did you say it was total? So it's two thousand one hundred ninety-three point one. It usually changes every couple of years because they're rerouting stuff, or you know, if if the trail goes on a road, they would they would rather have less road walks, so right. they'll like reroute reroute it into the woods. So it changes, you know, every now a and little then. bit from year. To yeah, year. I think like ten years ago, it might have been like. 2170 so it's gain it gets longer every year yeah so, so it's like, go oh, ahead I, and do I, it before it really yeah. add another 20 miles yeah um what would you say was the hardest part the hardest part the hardest section or the hardest couple of days or um i mean would you say you got better at it as you as you went on or did it just game, get though, harder man, to just keep like, going every single day waking up and you're just on trail another 20 miles another 20 miles i think the hardest part is just like the beginning because um in in like Georgia and then you get into North Carolina and Tennessee, like um, those are pretty tough because you got those, like I said, they're called puds, pointless up and downs. So like you go to the top of one and then like as soon as you hit it, you're like, okay, we're going to go down and then you get to the bottom, which is, um, it's just called a gap. So you get down to that gap and then you go right back up. Like the trail was flat, like it really wasn't flat at all. Um, so I think the starting was pretty tough because you didn't have what's called your trail legs. Like once you're out there for two or three weeks, like it takes different people longer to get acclimated. But once you get your trail legs, like, man, you, 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 you come up to this, like it might be like 2,500 feet of elevation, but you just go without stopping. Like you don't stop at all, like to get water, like you just pull your water out, drink it and you just keep going. Um, I remember getting to this one section in New Hampshire and there's a lot of day hikers out there and like, you know, I'm with this one woman that's really short and I'm with this other guy who's like super skinny and small and like, we're passing all these dudes. They're like, go work out every day. And they're probably like the fuck man. Like, you know, these small people are just like zooming past them. But you know, we'd been out there for so long. You just go up. Like you start to hate going downhill as crazy as it sounds because yeah, at first you're like, man, this uphills are killing me. But after a while, the downhills are what starts to hurt. Like it hurts your feet, your knees, your ankles, your hips. You got your heavy pack on. So every time you step, that pack is pulling on your boom, shoulders. Boom, yeah. Boom. So going up might hurt your will and make you tired. But if you take like a 10 second break, you're good. So the the ups don't hurt at all. It's the downs and the rocky, the rocky downs and stuff like that, that you really start to hate after a while. Did you ever like lose your footing or you didn't fall off the side of a mountain anytime or no, any but close I, calls? I fell like as far as just like slipping and falling, you know, on your butt between that and like actually falling, I probably fell about 10 times. You know, one time I was in in Pennsylvania, I was walking, looking at my phone and I'm on flat ground. I don't know, you know how I fell, but I tripped and I hit my face on a rock right here. Oh yeah. Like it, and my, it was like all bloody, like scabbed up right there. And it, it, that was probably the worst that I had, you know, fell. But I mean, I don't see how I didn't hit like another rock or something like that. But there were times where I would slip and, you know, uh, just put my arm down and everything would be fine. But that was probably the only time I fell in like actually. Like I'm surprised it didn't break my teeth. 
or oh something gosh. like that. Yeah, it was. It was really. There was just like really, a boulder there that you just. Yeah, like it was. Couldn't it get your hands up fast. Enough. It wasn't. Yeah, I didn't put my hands up at all. I just caught it full face. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how I didn't, you know, like put my hands down to stop myself. You know, it just happens so fast. You're like. Your you body's know. like, no, that's a waste of energy. Yeah, man. just take it. Just yeah. take it. And so you have those trekking poles, which you know I always. Anytime I would go hiking, you'd see like older people with them. I'm like, man, who needs those? But man, those things help so much. Like going uphill, it you know it makes you less tired. Going downhill, you know you're taking all that weight off your More knees. More stability, yeah. I would think. yeah. So there's been a bunch. Of, there was a bunch of times where I would like kick a rock and you know start tripping forward, and you just put your poles down and catch yourself. Mm. So I don't know if I would have fell and they saved me, or you know if. if because you think if you're doing this and walking, at first I was like, this is too much. Right. But after a while, it just becomes second nature. You know, you're just, you know, out there, they're tracking poles. But um, I, I think they really come in handy if you're hiking that that far. Now, if I was to go hike 15 miles tomorrow and that was just my day hike, I probably wouldn't take poles. But if you're hiking 2,200 miles and it helps just a little bit each day, like it adds up over time, that well, they, they really do help. Well, dude, uh, yeah, we, when we did our hike, um, Katie was real big about, hey, make sure we get trekking poles. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of goofy at first, but I would I would say the thing that it helped the most with is the water crossings. Oh, yeah. And I learned to dread water crossings. You could hear the rush of the water, and I was just like, God, we got to do this again. Yeah. You know, and then you have to make the decision, am I going to get my feet wet? Am I going to try to find a dry spot to cross? <clears throat> and some of the crossings that we had to do, they were pretty – and you got your pack on and stuff. And it's like, if I go down – it's going to be bad, even though this isn't like a rushing river. Yeah. It still could be scary. And some of them were pretty, pretty wild. So do you have yeah. any major issues with, you know, crossing water where you have to swim across or anything like that? Nah. So it was actually very um, nice. Like a lot of times there were like rocks that you could hop across. Um, and sometimes your foot would fall in and get wet. But for the most part, I think from like Georgia all the way to like New Hampshire, like I probably could have crossed everything and not got wet at all. Wow. Um, yeah. But then when you get to Maine, they're just like fuck bridges and like <laughs> you have to ford rivers. Like some yeah. of them are waist deep. And the Northeast this year got like the most rain they've had since like the 70s. Because I remember going through Massachusetts and like the mosquitoes were just, I thought mosquitoes down here were bad, but they were absolutely terrible. Oh, just man. because like stuff flooded and then it started to drain. But after a while, it was just, just like the perfect mosquito yeah, breeding just ground. Sitting yeah. water. So like you're walking on these little boards that they've, that they've, built you know through like marshes and stuff but if you stop you just get like covered in mosquitoes like you couldn't even stop to pull your water out and drink it like you just had to keep moving and some i don't know if this is true but somebody's like yeah mosquitoes fly three miles an hour so as long as you're walking more than three miles an hour you're good so i was just like trying to run through that but <clears throat> when you get up to maine you know like there was one day where it had rained like three days at like maybe in the evening or at night like i didn't really get wet from the rain but i remember it raining like every night um, even, in, even if it rained upstream, it's making its way towards you. So I do remember like crossing some rivers and like, you look at the picture on that app I was talking about and it's like people's ankles are barely in the water, but it's like up to your knees and you're like, okay, well this isn't too bad still. Um, but there was one we got to that was like, it wasn't even that wide, but the water was moving really fast. And I remember going going in or like we we get there and there's some people on the other side they're like don't cross right here you know it was really bad and you're just always like whatever you know i'm coming yeah <laughs> so i like walked upstream a little bit and tried to cross and i remember i was fine and then i got to one part where it was flowing really bad and i started it started to push me back and i just out of reaction i just stuck my pole back and it got caught on something and i was like fuck you know i'm, I'm good right now 
but I mean, like as soon as I started moving, like it took me and like knocked me over. Oh, it did? Yeah. And so, I, and I had my trekking poles in my hand. So I'm trying to like, you can't swim because it's so shallow. You're just kicking rocks. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like my shins were all beat up. My knees were bruised and stuff. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And the water's like coming over my head. Just soaked. Yeah. Like my, um, the backpack I had was made of Dyneema, which is like waterproof. So luckily my camera and my sleeping bag and extra clothes and quilt and stuff like that didn't get wet. Um, so like, I'm trying to like make my way to the side I'm getting pounded in the face with water, like swallowing water. And I had to let go of one of my trekking poles just so I could grab rocks and move, move over. So I'll, I only made it out of that with one, like the other one. Oh, you lost it. Yeah. Like one of the guys that crossed before us lost a trekking pole as well. So, I mean, there's no telling how many rivers, how many trekking poles that river is claimed. claimed. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to the other side and the, um, the woman that I'm with, she is like 4'11". And I'm lucky that those people were there because if, if they weren't there, like they helped her get across, like she tried to do it her own. Like they went over there and got her pack and hiked across with it. Um, so she's coming across and like, they're behind her, like just, you know, I don't see how they're, they're standing there. Cause the water is just like pounding them in their, their legs and their, their hips and stuff. But she got to a certain point, she just gets washed out. So they like lock arms and they pretty much have to like, just lift her up and like, just carry her to the other knees. side. Yeah. So like, I don't know how bad that was, like when it's not flowing that much, but that kind of like. You know, we got to another river crossing, and it's not that bad, but it's just like PTSD. You know, oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. As soon as you hear the water in the background, you don't <laughs> yeah. see it until you're right there yeah. on it. So, um, it reminds me of that scene from uh, End of the Wild when he yeah. decides to go home. Yeah, and he just gets sucked in. Yeah, and yeah. He's just like I can't do it. No yeah, way. it's crazy. Like, that's kind of how it was. Like you know, he goes out there and it's it's not flowing at all, but then he comes back and it's like a actual Russian river, and he's like, I can't cross here. But I think if he would have got a proper map before he started that, there was like a <laughs> there was like a railroad crossing like a mile upstream. He could just for McCandless would still be around. Yeah, yeah, he could have just walked down and, and crossed. Man. But you know he was. Well, that was always in the back of my mind when we did the Narrows. I'm like, if it starts raining and flooding, we're all oh, dead. Yeah, yeah like, we, watched, we are screwed. We were pulling up YouTube videos and stuff before we went out there, and uh, yeah, flash. I was floods. like, man, those flash floods. Not come even on that. So we're on the strong. bus. We're on the bus, and they're like talking about it, like, "Oh, you see all the trees that are down, like way up in there." The, yeah, yeah. It's like just <laughs> because yeah. that's where it's flooded. Just, like, they had a bad flood God. out there this year, and yeah, like, man, we like saw all it. kinds of signs over and stuff like that. It was like it covered the road and it's yeah. rolling these giant boulders and stuff. Katie pulled it up. Yeah, water is pretty scary, man. Like it, especially it can, when it comes on that fast. You just yeah. can't picture and a flash flood. Like you think I was, you know, it's like you can't outswim that because if you, it's like chocolate milk with. Boulders and, and trees, and it's just like, yeah. So I was always scared of that, too, because we did the Narrows, and I definitely thought of that. And then we also did another hike out there. It's, I think, Canaraville Creek Falls or something. It's like an hour from Zion. But it could be like all sunshine and flowers where you are, but then like if it rains upstream, that's yeah. that's when it, you Bad know. News. The Narrows it, is it, a it, trail at um, Zion National Park in Utah, for those that don't know. Pretty yeah. cool. Um, so you mentioned a couple of times, I assumed you got rained on a good bit. Uh, oh yeah. Like I think we got lucky with, with not getting rained on much, you know, um, some people don't mind hiking in the rain. I tried to dodge it whenever I could. Like if I knew it was going to rain at this time and there was a shelter cause there's shelters like, you know, every so often, like, you know, you might, if you're hiking 20 miles, you might pass two or three that day. Um, and you try to end up at one or just camp wherever you want to, um, but, uh, yeah, if I was coming up 
on a shelter and I was like, okay, it's supposed to rain in an hour. Like, I'm just going to go sit in the shelter for a while. Cause in the summer, you know, it's those showers, like it rains for 30 minutes and it's done for the day. So I would try to avoid those when I could. But I remember when I first started and like you get to the Smokies and it was just, you know, like it was raining and I'm like walking on the side of the trail, trying not to get my feet wet. And then like the water just eventually runs down your legs and your socks are soaked, your, your shoes are soaked. So at the end, you're just like, screw it. Just walk through yeah. the puddles. No major lightning storms or thunderstorms or anything like there that? There was like... Tornadoes? So, I don't know. <laughs> so Clayman's Dome is the, actually the highest point on the whole trail, and it's in the Smokies. It's uh, a little over 6,000 feet. So um, a few days before I had gotten there, there was a pretty bad storm where they said people were getting struck by lightning up there. Oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. And like the rangers aren't going to go up there and get you because it's, then they're in danger. So they just told him to like, you know, go down into the, below the tree line, you know, you don't, you're exposed on Clemens Dome. Cause that's where like that little, uh, walkway is for like a little observation tower you can walk up. So that's a very popular spot because, um, you can park down there and it's like not even a half a mile up like a, a paved path that a lot of day hikers. So just visitors, day visitors. Yeah. But the trail just goes right through it. Like that's actually mile 200 when you hit that, that observation tower. I wonder how many people get killed by lightning up there every year. I don't know. Um, but uh, one of the, uh, the the woman that I was hiking with, she's from Colorado. So, like, anytime we were above treeline, like out in New Hampshire or Maine or Vermont, you know, she was pretty worried about lightning and stuff because she had to deal with that in Colorado. Yeah, sure. Um, but, yeah. And then, like, we get to Massachusetts and, like, the first hurricane in, like, 15 years is going to strike New England, like, directly. So we took that day off. Um but it wasn't that bad. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, I know a lot of people that I was hiking with, like, oh, we should have just kept going and gotten rained on. But I was like, we didn't know it was just going to rain. Right. I don't yeah. want to be up there and there's like 50 mile an hour winds and we're camping and trees are falling over and stuff. So we uh, actually took the day off and, you know, chilled in the hot tub and stuff like that. So it was a good day. So when you're in town, you guys are staying at just like hotels and, and chilling out and washing your clothes and stuff? or, or what Yeah. That so like? at first... Um, like I said, you can, there's resupply points like every three to four days. Now, some people, when they're planning their trip, they'll create boxes for themselves and you can ship them to places and they'll hold them for a certain time. So usually you can work with somebody back home. Like my mom and dad sent me stuff, um, just different boxes and stuff. But I didn't do any of that because I was like, you know, I don't. There's enough places that you could just stop and have yeah, resupply. Yeah, like I bought a bunch of stuff. And left it at home. Like, and if I ever wanted my mom to send me some, like a bunch of Nor sides, like the pasta and the rice sides, a bunch of ramen, um, just different snacks and stuff like that. But after a month, man, you're tired of eating the same stuff. Oh, yeah. So, like, you don't eat trail mix anymore. Because, <laughs> like, if it's any, like, they call it trail magic or, like, you know, when people give you stuff. Like, so if a hiker's like, or a day hiker or a section person's like, oh, you want some trail mix? You're like, no. <laughs> I'm good. Appreciate so, it. So, you know, going. towards the end, you're eating like Snickers, gummy candy, you know, crackers, like the Ritz crackers. And anything to get that sugar in yeah, your bloodstream. Yeah, man, like you're eating like just, you know, potato chips. You're packing out stuff that you just, you know, is regular food versus like, oh, this is like Cliff Bars. Like I've never really been into Cliff Bars, but Same. Know, they're just, they're terrible. Same. But, um, and then like I said, burritos and Hot Pockets and stuff. Um, that's the first I've heard of that hikers and he's just eating burritos yeah, and man. hot pockets. And it's like, nice. You that's get, not the diet you think of. You get to camp and, um, if, especially if it's late, you just break those out and you're done with dinner in like five minutes instead of cooking and all this stuff for 30 minutes. And, you know, anything to clean up, you just stuff the wrapper. Yeah. yeah um, 
But I think I got away from the original question. What did you originally ask me? Um, I don't know. I forgot myself. <laughs> um, but tell me about like uh, these places that you're stopping at camp each night. Um, are you trying to stop at a shelter every time, or are you just finding places on Gut Hook? Say, hey, it's a good place to camp. And what are you camping in? Yeah, um, like, do you, you have take... a destination in mind of like I got to make it this many miles? Or you're just like I'm tired. I'm putting on my tent. Yeah. Are you in a tent? Or are you doing so, a hammock? Or what are you camping in? So I know like a lot of yeah, I had a tent and a sleeping bag. Is it like and... the ultra light? Because I see these guys that they take their trekking poles and they actually use yeah. it and just a tarp basically. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I didn't have one of those. Um, I had a Nemo, um, Hornet tent. So the minimal trail weight for it, which I don't really know what that means. I guess it's like if you take away all the bags that it comes with, was like two pounds, which is still pretty light for a tent. Um, so my tent was two pounds, and I started off with a 30-degree Nemo sleeping bag, and it was like two and a half pounds. So it wasn't super light, but it was light compared to like all these other sleeping bags I'd seen. Um, and then uh, the sleeping pad I had was a Thermarest neo light or something like that is like 12 ounces or 14 ounces so it was pretty light as well so i thought i had all this light stuff but i just had too many clothes like way too many clothes and just you know shit i didn't need but yeah so a lot of people will plan out like i'm gonna sleep at this shelter the first night and they'll plan out that for like a month so one thing that i read when when you they're like don't plan out far in advance because by the second day your, your plan's already screwed mm -hmm. so like i didn't plan really at all I you have some days, I guess, you don't make your mark or you don't get as far as you want, or maybe you yeah, get you extend you get, it, yeah. you go further, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's shelters, you know, every so often. Sometimes they're pretty close together. Sometimes it might be like ten miles between shelters. So at first, you know, I would sleep at shelters. Um, the first couple of nights, I slept in the shelters, but then you got to worry about the mice. Like the mice are running around at night. Um, Dude, I didn't even think about that. And they're used to people being there. And yeah, stuff. so, yeah. I mean, at night, you know, everybody's sleeping, so the mice run around, and, like, if, if you are eating at the shelter and you might drop a couple scraps of something, or if you leave your bag there, they'll, like, you know, if, they, if, if you have, like, a pack of nuts, like, in your little hip belt, they'll, like, chew right through it, and they know where the nuts are. They'll get them out. But I, mean, I never had anything get in my bag, thankfully. Never had any rodents crawling yeah. in your underwear or anything? No, I, I saw plenty of them and heard them. <laughs> but, like, I didn't have them, like, come to my sleeping bag or anything like that. So the first night I slept in one, the second night I did as well. But I didn't sleep very good because you're just worried about mice. I mean, they're not going to, like, harm you in any way, but you're just kind of worried about them. Sure. So um, I really slept better if I – you can – at a shelter, they had spots where you could set your tents up, you know. So if I set my tent up, you're kind of like in your own private area. So mm -hmm. you're kind of like, I would start, you know, I'd sleep better in my tent. So that's what I would do. But I would sleep at a lot of shelters at first. And then they have what's called stealth sites, which they're not really stealth because they're just right off the trail. But it's just where somebody like maybe created a site. <clears throat> and um, so towards the end, like the last month, I don't even think I slept at a shelter. Like I would just stealth stealth camp because me and my friend Laura, um, that's what we did most of the time was just stealth camp and and uh, just kind of try to stay away from you know other people for some reason you know you don't want to get sick or catch anything from anybody else. Oh yeah, you got COVID going on. Yeah, or nor norovirus or stuff like that. When you started out, you were solo, and uh, yeah, did you had had you planned to meet other people and and do this trail with, or you just randomly met friends? Yeah, made so friends, you, I yeah, guess. you you make. I mean, you make friends. Um, I think like the first day I started hiking, I met this other dude named Sam, and he was just doing a section. But you know, you kind of stick with people. Like we hiked together some, 
Um, you really don't hike with a person for a lot. I mean, if you really like that person, you will, or if you're good friends with them. But I mean, you're spending a lot of time with that one, one or two people. So you're kind of like, you'll hike, you know, maybe you're not in a good headspace that day. So you want to hike alone or, you know, uh, stuff like that. So you kind of hike by yourself most of the time. And then you just make a plan like, Hey, we're going to do 18 or 20 miles. or We're going to stay at this shelter or we'll, you know, meet up at this road crossing and go to town or something like that. So you just kind of plan, you know, uh, get a, get a good, get a good group of people. You know, they're a trail family. So they call it a tramley. Tramley. Uh, yeah. You just get, get a tramley. And then, you know, some of them are 10 people. Some of them are three people, you know, it just depends on, you know, um, I'm pretty chill and, and laid back and I can <clears throat> get along with most people. But what I found on trail was like, there was a very like small, certain type of people that I really like to actually hang around and hike with because there's a lot of crazy people out there. And I was just like, y'all are too much, you know, right. I'm out here to get away from, you know, politics and the news and arguing with people. So I like that, 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 um, just getting along with everybody kind of shrunk. And I was like, you know, if, so for all the people that are watching this that I hiked with, if, if I hiked with you and camped with you and I really liked you. <laughs> and the next day you're gone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I started alone and then you just, you, you meet, you mean, you're all going the same way. Yeah. For the most part, I mean, you got Nobos and Sobos, which is northbound and southbound. But for the most part, you know, you're you're hiking the same direction, so you're gonna you're gonna find people to hike with. Oh, that's cool. I didn't think about like I don't know running into people that you may not really want to hike with. Or, yeah, or like, this guy having crazy sucks. people. Oh out there. my god! Been talking so, my ear off for the past twenty miles. Like yeah, so it's kind of hard to distinguish between like if somebody's a hiker or they're just living in the woods. Cause you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> was there a lot of that? Yeah, you'll see people that like this one dude I crossed. Um, you know, he, you could tell like further along, you can tell like which people are through hiking because they don't have much stuff. And so, like the section hikers and the and and or mainly the section hikers, their pack it looks like they brought their refrigerator plus <laughs> their living room. So like their packs are massive and they got everything hanging off. And you're like, okay, this isn't a through hiker. But eventually, you start like I would see people that you know. Um, this one dude had like a hatchet and stuff like that. So I remember getting to a shelter and, um, this dude was really quiet and it was just me and him and he had a hatchet and I was like, I was like, which, uh, which, where are you hiking? He's like, I'm just hiking North. He's, I was like, are you through hiking? He's like, no, I'm just going to Tennessee to do some fishing. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Man? <laughs> so I was like, I'm not staying with this guy, but come to find out like some other people had talked to him and he was a pretty cool guy, but he was just real quiet when I talked to him and saw that hatchet. Quiet guy with hatchet. Yeah, didn't want to stick around. So yeah. you kind of, and there's, I don't know if y'all ever heard about it, but like in 2019, there was a guy that actually killed a dude and then like chased his girlfriend down the trail and like almost killed her. But you know, what? No, yeah. And so like people that. were like, you know, I heard probably 20 different things. Like they arrested him. They couldn't find him. They, found him but they couldn't put anything on him so he's out out and about again i mean you just hear all these different the appalachian things. trail massacre yeah and then you got like that dude that killed his girlfriend in, in yeah. wyoming like he was oh, on, yeah. he was like he just went and started like hit out on the trail so i mean you just never know who you're gonna come yeah. across um but for, but the, for most the most part, part i would assume everybody's yeah pretty, everybody's pretty cool. so not like, everybody's an axe murderer yeah anything. that's true that's true well dude that's wild man um how many states does the trail go through so the appalachian trail it's I got a thing right here that I can read. I don't know if you want to put this at the beginning or not. Oh, man. So the Appalachian Trail is the oldest trail in America, and it's the longest hiking-only footpath in the world. So it goes 2,193 miles, 0.1 miles, got to say the 0.1, from Springer Mountain, Georgia, 
to Mount Katahdin, Maine. So it traverses the whole Appalachian mountain range. So it goes from, um, it goes through 14 states. It goes through eight national forests and two national parks. And uh, it goes to a bunch of small, like, trail towns um, through fields. There's some road walking that you got to do. Um, you hike around beaver bogs. <laughs> Never knew that was a thing. <clears throat> An alpine bog was something that I kind of figured out what it is, what, what that is. Like, I'd never heard that term I don't, I don't before. Know what that what is. is an alpine bog? So you just get to the top of, I guess it's where, like, snow maybe sits most of the year, especially up north. This is where it is. Um, and then, so, like, you could take your trekking pole and stick it in there, and it goes, it just goes all the way down. So if you were to jump in that, like, some people, if you're shorter, certain sections, maybe it's deeper. Like, you, your whole body would, like, get submerged. Oh, my God. It's like quicksand or something. Yeah. So I, I remember seeing that meme. It's like, you know, I always thought quicksand would be a bigger problem in my life. Like, it's, that was pretty much quicksand, yeah. Wow. Dude. So that's, that's um, but they have these boards that they build. They're, like, about this wide, and um, there's usually two of them. And you just walk along those. Now, sometimes you're like, why do they put these here? Sometimes it's to protect the vegetation. Sometimes it's, you know, to protect you. Um, but for the most part, they're they're in the right spots. But sometimes it's just like we could have used those boards, you know, up here because you're like walking through mud. Up and, to your knees. And, yeah, yeah. Dude, it, was, it was pretty rough. Damn. That's crazy, man. Um, who maintains, I guess, everybody That's in cooperation? Who, like... Every state plays their own part. I guess yeah. there's a lot Keeping of volunteers. So you have the ATC, which is the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. Like they'll, um, I don't know if they oversee the whole trail. Like I didn't really ever pay attention to much. Is but there... you always see like, you know, the ATC does this and that. So a lot of a lot of through hikers don't like the ATC. So you'll see like on the bench at like the shelter, somebody right, fuck the ATC and stuff. Oh, why? Like that. Why not? I don't know because like so Virginia and Pennsylvania were pretty dry when I went through there. And so, like, some people put out water caches for you. So it's just like you might not have any water from the trail. So you just come up to this road crossing. You're like, oh, thank God somebody left 10 gallons of water. I'm going to take some. But the ATC would go and, like, remove those because they want you to have, like, a it, – it takes away from, like, the, the hiking experience. What? Shut up. But sometimes, That's so dumb. But sometimes you need that to survive, you know. Um, just depends on what section you're on. And so they just do things like that, but I didn't ever have an issue with them. Um, yeah, I guess that would be. But then there's annoying. different there's different clubs in like every state. Like uh, Maine was like the Maine Appalachian Trail. Um, I, I don't know what it was called, but there's different. Like we would come across different people, and they're like, "Yeah, we maintain this section," or like somebody might be a volunteer, and they just like help you know maintain that section. And all they really do, I guess, is you know cut the the brush away. Because there was some sections in Virginia, and they were like stickers too, like like thorn bushes. It seemed like because um, I was hiking with an older guy, and you know their skin is like more like fragile mm -hmm. than ours, and his arms are all cut up and bloody just from walking through those little sticker things. But um, they were fine for me. But it was you know they're just pulling your clothes and stuff like that, scratch your arms up. But I would never like bleed. <laughs> but uh, there's some sections that could have definitely been better. Like, I think one section said, like, Virginia Tech, like, I guess it's, you know, in Virginia, the, the college, Virginia Tech. I think they, like, maintain a certain section. But they're not um, holding up there into the bar. Yeah, it seemed like, <laughs> I think that was the section that was really, really bad. All right, Virginia Tech, step yeah, it right, up. Right. Yeah, but I think it, I think it was, like, spring break or something. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the growth was, like, yeah, from, a, from a couple of months, though, it seemed like. So, so I guess that's how they kind of do the... Keeping the, uh, the trail maintained. Yeah. And stuff. It, um. 
is there any way to like report, I guess the gut hook app, if there's like a section of the trail that's been washed out or a tree's fallen or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, you could look on there and see different comments, like maybe somebody said a fresh tree fell or something like that. But I mean, most of the time you'd come across a tree that had fell and there's just like a small trail that goes around it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Until they cut it. But usually, no, they'll just cut out the small section and then just leave the rest of the tree to, you know, let, let nature do its thing. Did you ever come across any wildlife? I mean, besides the the mice that you said were in some of the shelters? <laughs> yeah. No so, black bears or anything? Yeah. Kinda... So I saw 14 bears. Actually, 15. I have it written down <laughs> That's right here. too many bears. Dude, that's, that's way too, too many, many bears. <laughs> Are you, did you have to get a bear can at any point? Or are you just... No. What so, are you doing what? with your food? There's like a... A bear can? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's a can that you put that it like insulates and seals your food so there's no um, okay all right sorry the for audio listeners the way alex is doing his it's like he's wearing a helmet and he's like a <laughs> well, you bear mount, you, mounted you got this here. bear helmet that <laughs> yeah, you wear yeah <laughs> and it keeps you okay. safe from the bears okay. um but no there was some people that would hike with a bear can um my friend laura she started with a bear can and she finished with a bear can she didn't have to have one but i mean you don't have to hang your food because you know each night like if you're not like some shelters will have cables that you can hang your food on and right. pull it up and then you hook it and it stays up there. Some shelters will have bare boxes. It's just like a toolbox mm-hmm. that you know, open up and you put your food in there and then you shut it and latch it. Um, but once you get kind of far, cause I guess they have to drop those with helicopters and stuff. Cause nobody's going to hike out there with those. But once you get a certain distance from like roads and stuff, you know, you have, um, you have to hang your food. So you just throw a rope. Yeah, what point it. does uh, at what point in the trail is like okay, bears are a problem here. Like we need to be aware of bears from start to finish. And you know they know that trail. They're watching yeah. people walk by. Sure, yeah. Where did you see your first bear? So the first one I saw was I think the first day I got into the Smokies. So you're like, you know, almost 200 miles in. That was my first. But I saw them they're like way down this one little um, you know, like gap kind of thing way down there and I didn't even know I was there. But is a lot scary? of scary. No, I mean, so I did have an instance with a bear that was pretty scary. I'll get to that. But for the most part, I mean, they're more terrified of you than you are them. So, like, I saw those, but then my first actual occurrence with a bear where it heard me. So, like, you know, you kind of, like, hear stuff all the time. Like, you know, you you like you hear a chipmunk, and the chipmunks sound, like, way more massive than they are. So you're like, is that a bear? Crunching <laughs> through leaves. Yeah, and you're like, stuff. oh, no, it's a squirrel. It's a little chipmunk. And then you're like, you hear something else. You're like, is that a bear? And you're like, oh, that's a turtle over here. <laughs> So you kind of like learn what makes what noise. But when I got to this one section, I'm just walking by myself and I hear what sounds like a car driving through the woods. Oh my. And I'm like, that's a bear. charging you. Yeah, it was running. The, the, okay, they, okay. If they hear you, they're going to go the opposite way. Because, oh, okay. <clears throat> you know, if they have those bear bells that you, you can put on you and you walk and it just it's just a bell that makes noise. Or they tell you to, you know, if you're walking and you're talking with somebody that's with you, if a bear hears you, you know, it's going to take off running the opposite way. They're just terrified of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear this, what sounds like a car driving through the woods, like going away from me. So I was like, that's a bear. And then I hear like something on a tree, but they say so these two cubs just run up the tree and the mama bear runs away. So the bear, they're not really aggressive unless you get close to their, you know, their, their children. Yeah, dude, right. that's, yeah. Would, it seems like if I saw cubs, yeah, I'd be like, oh no 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 no, I'm in the I'm in the worst. There's a mom. Spot. There's a mom, there, yeah. like breathing behind me or something. Yeah, so the cubs are what you really got to look out for. But I heard her run far over here, and I knew they were right there, like probably 20 feet off the trail. So I just kind of like, you know, hiked really fast past them. When I got to the other side, that's when I like pulled my phone out and recorded some videos of them. But um, 
I never stuck around to see like the mama bear come back. So I saw those three and then it, it, it wasn't for a while before I, it was a long time before I didn't see any more. Um, but I did, there was a small section like right before you get to Virginia and there's like on gut hook, if there's a shelter that they close due to bear activity, like it'll say you can't stay there. But I mean, like, I don't know who's really coming out there and checking. Closed due to bear activity. Yeah. Is that basically a nice way of saying someone was mauled by a bear here? Yeah, and, or uh, they would, you know, come into camp and actually, you know, they, they wouldn't leave. Because usually if you make noise at them and, you know, uh, just be loud, they'll they'll move away and make, make, make their... Oh, we got a cocky bear that's not leaving. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if they have, like, an aggressive one and it's around a shelter, they'll, they'll close that shelter. So you had to do, like, 20 mile, like a 25 mile day. And I remember like everybody talking about like they're going to plan to get around that, you know, because it's, it's, it was a big deal. So I remember walking and I, I see these other hikers come in the opposite way. And they're like, hey, we saw a bear up there, you know, just just FYI. So, I was like, OK, I'll be on the lookout. So I see one like on the trail pretty far down. So I had my trekking poles and I just banged them together and it heard me. So it like just kind of started running off the trail. So I hiked past it and then like I crossed this. I come around this one turn and they're probably like 30 feet away. There was a bear like sitting there. So it stood up and it saw me. And so it took off running. But there was a bear, like two bears in, in trees. So like I started hitting my sticks together. And it's kind of scary watching them come out of the trees because they just like, oh my they God. fall and they just like kind of scratch the tree to, to slow themselves down a little bit. And they'll just like smack the ground. <clears throat> and it's on the ground with you. <laughs> yeah. So it, I mean, it, it fell. And then once it <clears throat> got to the ground, you know, it just took off running the opposite way. I've never been in a situation where I'm watching multiple bears descend from trees upon yeah, me. That's, that's crazy. That's insanity. I thought, man. okay, because my head is at when I was in the Redwood Forest. We were on a trail, and they warn everybody about elks, and um, the elk is the big one. Elk. Elk. The elk plural. <laughs> Elkin. Elkin. Yeah. Deerses. And they don't give a shit. Like, we were coming, I was on a trail, and we were stuck on a trail for about 35 minutes because an elk had come out, and he's just standing in the trail. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about any of us. Yeah. And an elk versus a bear, I'm like, a bear's going to kill me versus an elk, but, like, that elk didn't care. Yeah, like, bear's gonna I run. would be, so, like, it came down to it. Like, the, the thing I really got scared of at first was, like, rattlesnakes. Ooh. Because, like, I saw, I crossed one in the Smokies, and it was, like, right off trail under some, like, uh, this plant called a rhododendron. It's just, like, really thick off to the side and you hear it yeah so like i walked past it and it rattled and it i just jumped forward and Dude, like, oh my God. and then i took my phone out and started recording it you know because i was past it <laughs> you get closer and closer yeah so um and then i was like damn i gotta worry about snakes you know like especially if you're walking off the trail to go you know use the restroom mm -hmm. you know you gotta worry about snakes um and then it got to you know ticks is what you have to worry about and that became the most terrifying thing because um, I always Lyme thought they disease. were, yeah, Lyme disease is the main thing. I always thought they were pretty big. You could see them, but they call them nymphs. Like it's, the, the smaller ones, especially before they like attach and like have any blood in them, they're like, they look like a speck of dirt. Hmm. Luckily I only had one tick the whole trail that I know of. Um, that you know of. Yeah. Like I, it was right underneath my sock. Like I had rolled my sock down one day we got to a spot and uh, it was sitting there, but it hadn't been on me for long. I, I don't know. I heard different things as far as like they have to be attached for, 36 hours or 12 hours before they can even transmit the Lyme disease. And not all the ticks have Lyme disease. It's just a certain one. Um, so that became like the most terrifying thing. And at first I was scared of bears, but once you see some and you see how they react to humans, like you're, 
like you you want to see bears. Mm, okay. <laughs> it, it makes your day better when you see one. So the scariest instance I had with the bear. Oh, we're it, not even to the scariest instance. Yeah, no, yet. that one was the, fine. The bear's coming down, the mama yeah. bear. Okay, all right. So, um. I'm, uh, I get what to this, type of bear? They're just the black bears. These they're, are all black yeah, bears. Yeah, they're not grizzly bears. No grizzlies. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, some of them might look brown, you know, which most grizzly bears, I guess, are brown, but they're all just black bears. They're, you know, more scared of you than you are of them. Um, I know they're, uh, a lot of times they're just misinterpreted, like, you know, oh, there's a bear. It's scary, but like, man, they're, exactly they're really cool to watch. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting at this one tent site that we hiked to. And my friend Laura was behind us, and I didn't want her to pass the ship, the tent site, because you had to like hike into it and, and find different spots. So I didn't want her to pass it. So I I walked to the beginning of it where it breaks off the trail, and I'm just sitting there eating my food, and um, I just hear something walking on the trail. I'm like, oh, here comes somebody. No, it was a fucking bear, and this thing was probably like 15 feet away from me. And, you know, you're supposed to make noise and not, like, run away from it. But the first thing I did was stand up. freeze up? Yeah, the first thing I did was stand up because, you know, you don't want to be, like, you want to make yourself look as big as you can. So the first thing I did was stand up, took a few steps back, and I just, like, yelled something at it. And it looked at me, and it just kind of, like, started walking into the woods. And then I put my food down that I was eating and started clapping, and I could hear it, like, you know, kind of started speeding up. Um, But it was funny because... just walking up on you? Yeah, dude. I mean, it sounded like... It, it was walking and I could hear it, but then as it got closer, I'm like, that doesn't sound like a person. And then just rolled around the corner and it was like right there. Oh my God. So dude. luckily it wasn't aggressive or anything like that. But that was the, the most scared I've been as far as like animals go. And then like crossing that river was probably the sc- most scared I've been, like terrified as far as like I, yeah. I could have died. Dude, that's insane. But, um, man. Did you camp at that spot where the bear walked up on you? Yeah, we were already set up. So like, well, <laughs> but they actually oh, had a bear box up. there. So it was pretty pretty safe you know as far as you know you, you're able to put your stuff away from you and and stuff like that so do you carry bear spray or anything like that no nah, i didn't ever carry it my friend laura did and she carried it the whole way but luckily you know she didn't have to use it at all that's why you have friend groups when you hike other people yeah that's why i kept her around was for the bear yeah. spray well dude after that bear would have walked up on me i'm like next stop i'm getting some bear spray yeah. <laughs> bear spray but no nah, i mean um yeah, it's they're they're not scary. Like I said, the the thing I worried most about was the uh, was the ticks and the snakes, especially copperheads. You know, copperheads don't have any kind of rattle, so you can just you know I didn't I probably saw so I saw like four rattlesnakes, which is pretty low compared to some pe- some people. Uh, copperheads still a lot. Yeah, now the copperheads I probably saw maybe five or six, and they were all in Pennsylvania. So like I said, Pennsylvania has a lot of rocks. Um, so I remember getting to certain like lookouts where it's the sun hits that section a lot and they're just like in the cracks of the rocks, which they're pretty deep. Like you have to like get on your knees and like reach down there if you wanted to grab it for any reason. But usually like the people that were already there would like warn you like, Hey, there's snakes, you know, down here in this, in this one little crack. So I didn't ever like come across any that were like really close to me or anything like that. Like I knew about them before I even saw them. So that was pretty nice. Dang. Copperheads, man. I wouldn't have even thought about copperheads, snakes yeah. in general. Was yeah. there any point in just sleeping like at night? Or you, yeah. You, you got nothing hammock, to man. do. You got to get a hammock. Yeah. Just get well, off the ground. I mean, like, so the cowboy camping is like when you just like lay your sleeping pad out and you get your sleeping bag and you just like sleep in that. Sleeping under the sky. Yeah. yeah. We only did that once, but I mean, like, I was always scared to do it because of snakes, spiders, and ticks. Like, I didn't want, you know, any of those to get really get on me, but, um, 
if it wasn't for that, I probably would have done it a lot more. <laughs> you kind of briefly mentioned the food situation. You said you kind of lost your stove during, at some point you just were like, screw cooking. I'm just going to cold soak. Yeah. But what are you eating for the most part, uh, besides the burritos and the hot pockets when you first started out, are you doing like the dehydrated meals that you can get from like mountain high? Um, I yeah. know that's what we ate a lot when we did our hike. Yeah, um, so if I was just doing a short hike, I would probably go with those. But, you know, they're like 10 to $12 a pop, so yeah. that adds up really quick. So, I mean, um, you have those north sides, which are like rice and pasta. Those are just a couple bucks a piece. So you can get those, and you can, um, you know, they have those tuna packets and chicken packets of like uh, tuna creations, I think is what they're called, and the yeah. chicken creations. You know, you can buy those um, just for extra protein, extra calories, maybe add them to ramen or add them to the pasta sides, you know, just different combinations, you know. Tuna then, ramen, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Um, they call it a ramen bomb. You can, you know, like the mashed <laughs> potatoes, bomb. like. Uh, instant mashed potatoes. Yeah, just, you know, you can cook those up, add some jerky or just get some uh, some pepperonis <laughs> and throw them in there. You know, it's, it's common. Towards the end, you're just dumping everything yeah, into one. <laughs> um, I don't care. Just real. feed me. I don't care. Yeah, you're just looking for anything that can keep you going because you're burning I don't know the number per day, but you're burning thousands of calories and you're not sure, you know, if you're not putting them, putting them in there, then, then did you, you, did you weigh yourself before you started? Oh yeah. So I didn't weigh myself like right before, but I know I was around 185. And then the, the day I got finished before we ate that night, like I weighed 142. Wow. Oh my God. So that, that's 40. Two or forty-three pounds. Forty-three pounds. Yeah, yeah, man. So I mean, a lot of people lost weight. I remember towards the end, like and these are strangers that I'm talking to at this hostel. I didn't know them. I knew one person, but we're we're all pulling up. Like the the day you started, you take your picture at this one little sign. So we're all pulling up our pictures, and we're like, "That's not you. That's not you." You know, most most of the dudes like have no beard or <clears throat> like I had shaved pretty close before I started. Um, and uh, so you're just just funny like looking at people's like. <clears throat> then and now photos it was extreme well we all uh you know everybody at home was rooting for you and we were following you you know on social media and stuff and we all noticed after you know the first months like <laughs> dude he looks like he because you kind of had some <clears throat> times where you weren't post posting a bunch yeah and, uh from like one of the photos a couple weeks later you post another photo i'm like dude he looks like he's lost like 15 pounds since yeah. the last one it, it started going pretty quick because i remember like the first 100 miles like i remember like the reason I had to get a new bag, one, one, it was because it was heavy, but the other one is because like my waist straps were, were grounded out, you know, bottomed out. Like they couldn't get any tighter because that hip belt gets to the end of the little cinch thing. So, you know, you just you, shrunk. <laughs> yeah. You have to have that. Cause you know, if you tighten that and it's tight on your hips, then the, that's what the frame does is it tightens the frame and it pulls the weight off your shoulders. So like I had to get something that would take that weight back off my shoulders and that's kind of like when I started sending stuff home and getting more into light, lightweight stuff. So that's when I got that new pack. Turning into Mountain Man. Yeah. Um, so what's the what's the mental game like? The mental. Yeah. Challenge? What are you doing like all you, day? You're hiking you're, all day, every day. Exactly. Are you How listening you to music? What are you doing? Yeah. Motivated. So at first I was listening to music, and then I started listening. Like I never did podcasts. Like some people did podcasts, um, but music for the most part. Um, and then like. Uh, I started like if I knew I was going to have service or like if I knew I was going to be able to charge my phone the next day, like I would just go to YouTube and pull up like replays of album of football games and just listen to the whole game. It's like two and a half hours, three hours. So it makes it go by quick because you're looking for things to pass the time yeah, because uh, they're listening to NASCAR or anything. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, you would 
you'd be hiking and you're like, okay, it's got to, it has at least been two hours since I started, but you're like, oh, it's been 30 minutes. You're like, so you're just looking for stuff to pass the time because you're going to get your miles, but the time is what you're looking to, to pass. So, um, I would listen to those football games and then I started like, you know, downloading books and listening to those because <clears throat> you think like, oh, it takes me a while to read a book. But I mean, if you're listening to a book, it's like eight hours. Yeah, it's like eight, nine <laughs> it hours. Goes, yeah. It goes like really yeah. fast. Book a day, man. Yeah, Dang. for real. But then I started hiking with other people more more so. And, you know, you kind of just talk to each other. You know, a lot of times, like I said, you hike away from people because maybe you have different paces. Mm -hmm. um, but after a while, you know, you just kind of like, you know, if you've hiked by yourself, you're like, you want to talk to somebody and get to know them all day or something like that. So that helped a lot with, uh, you know, coming across people that, you know, I kind of, you know, we took in, took each other in and, and became like that tramway thing I was talking about. So we kind of looked out for each other, you know, if you're like, you know, Hey, I'm going to go get water. You know, do you want what, do you mean to grab you some or, you know, stuff like that. So it, uh, it helped out with the, with the mental. You mentioned earlier that your backpack wore out or that you just lost so much weight that you couldn't uh, cinch the belt. Mm -hmm. I would imagine your shoes would probably wear out. Yeah. Um, did you have a brand new pair of shoes when you started or, or yeah, did so you have I, to change shoes? I got some Hoka One One. It looks like it says Hoka One One. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of that brand, but it's One One. <laughs> um, they're called Speed Goats. Somebody recommended them to me like before I started. So, okay, I'll go with those. Um, and they were pretty, they were really nice. I think that first pair lasted me like 700 miles. And then I got this crazy looking pair of shoes. They were Hoka's as well. But the back of them was like, it stuck off real far. They look like space boots or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know why. Like you always kind of want to stick with the same pair of shoes because like you don't want to just throw a, you throw, throw a oh, curveball yeah. in there and your, your shoes are Stance all. Stance is all different. Yeah. Because you know? um, I didn't even know it was a thing like different millimeter drops in shoes. Like there's a brand called Ultra and they are zero drops. That means like your the front of your foot and the back of your foot are the same. Like with boots, you know, your your the back is more lifted. And with these hokas, they have a four millimeter drop, so it means it, it it's up just a touch. Um, because I remember at first, like I walk on my tiptoes a lot, especially if you're going uphill, you're just doing that front foot strike. So like I kept having this this discomfort in my Achilles tendon for like three weeks. I was like, do I have tendonitis? You know, it, it hurt. It doesn't really hurt. It just feels like somebody's pushing on my Achilles. And like if you moved your foot certain ways, it would, you know. So I kind of started not walking on my tiptoes anymore. I would try to do like more mid foot strikes or whatever they call it. And it, it went away. Um, but when I got this new pair of shoes that came right back in my right foot, it was in my left foot at first. But it was only there for like a week and it went away. Um, so I had that second pair of shoes for, you know, I think it was eight or 900 miles. They were more like boots. Um, so, and then my third pair of shoes, I remember I got those in Norwich, Vermont. So I think I only had like five or 600 miles left to go. So they lasted me towards the end. How did you know your shoes were wearing out? Just Dude, they're just falling apart. They're just falling apart. <laughs> you can feel rocks more. You can see your toenails and stuff. Yeah. Well, you can, you can feel rocks more often. Um, and then like that second pair of shoes I had, I probably should have got a, a pair before, like, you know, earlier on because the tread on the bottom is just like peeling off and yeah. falling apart. You know, you have what's called shoe goo and you, you know, the, usually the toe of your shoe, like where that rubber comes around, like that'll start peeling start off peeling, first because yeah. you're just kicking rocks all day. Like I remember when I used to go on hikes before, I guess I just didn't hike as fast because you're just looking around you and stuff. But when I was hiking the AT, man, you're just trying to, you know, go through it, you know, and you're, you're tripping all day and kicking, kicking rocks, kicking roots. 
so it really tears your shoes up but um yeah that toe part comes off so you just get some shoe goo and you know put it on there hoping you just extend the life of your shoes for a little bit longer but um yeah i went through three pair of shoes uh the last pair they don't have much left on them but a little bit but there's some people that you know went through four or five pair of shoes so it gets pretty Gosh, expensive yeah crazy. starts to add up man that's crazy. Yeah. I guess all your other gear and stuff lasted the duration. Um, Quell's um, walking stick was gone. Yeah, well, you lost your walking I stick. I lost yeah. one. Chained one, it out the backpack. One trekking pole, but the other one made it all trekking the way to the pole, end. Trekking pole, not a walking. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but it's it's pretty messed up, man. Like I I bent the 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 bottom section. I bent it like the first week, so I was like, oh, these aren't gonna last mm-hmm. long. But it I, it was stayed it stayed bent the same all the way to the end, and that's the one I have. Um, uh. The first sleeping pad I had got a hole in it somewhere, so I bought a new one in uh, Damascus, Virginia, and it lasted, you know, a few hundred miles, and it started, like, I would, in the middle of the night, I'd be, like, laying on the ground. Wake up <clears> on you the ju- ground. You yeah. just don't want to blow it back up, so you just, like, roll over and like, I don't care. go yeah. back to sleep. But eventually, I got a new one, so I went through three sleeping pads. It was, like, the first few days, like, I put my toothbrush in the bear box, like, I didn't have it in a bag. And uh, I went to get it the next day, and it was gone. I'm like, who the who steals the toothbrush? Steals the toothbrush? But maybe they just thought it was theirs and grabbed it. So I went through like three or four toothbrushes just because, like, I don't know how I lose stuff. But <laughs> Tooth- you just toothbrush thieves out yeah. on the trail. <laughs> um, so the battery, the battery bank that you use to charge your phone, like, um, I lost the first one I had. That thing's got to have some weight to it. Though. Yeah, that was probably one of the heaviest things I had, and I had a bigger one than most people, just because, like, I, you know, I didn't want my phone dying. Sure. Um, You're not doing one of those weird, like, solar panel no, backpack. So a lot of people start with that gimmicks. and they send it home, like, right? Because yeah, I mean, such you, know, a you like, I had sunscreen at first, and the only time I used my sunscreen was when I was in Gatlinburg because I like, got off trail to go to Gatlinburg, and I didn't really plan for it, but it was Memorial Day weekend, so it was insane there like they jack their hotel prices up like 75 per, or like a 200 percent probably so like it was pretty crazy but i ended up getting a hotel there and like the next day i'm waiting on a guy to come pick me up they have like shuttle drivers all over the place all, all along the trail that you can call and get a ride here or there you got to pay them i mean they'll take you anywhere because you're, you're paying them um so I got a ride back, and when I was waiting on that guy, like I was standing out in the sun, that was the only time I used sunscreen. So I ended up sending it home. Uh, so you don't you don't use it much because, like I said, you're they call it the green tunnel. You know, you're you're in the pretty much in shade. The you're whole in time. the shade the whole time. Yeah. So talking about that, getting rooms, shuttles, and stuff. Would you say the trail hiking the trail is expensive in any way? Or like, yeah, I mean it can definitely like, damn, get expensive. I spent that much money hiking yeah. through the woods. So there's people that. You know, we'll we'll hike the trail. They'll sleep outside all the time. They won't stay at hostels. Um, you might go to a hostel and pay five bucks to take a shower. You know, you might pay a, a few dollars to wash your clothes there because all this all that stuff is included if you stay. Mm-hmm. Like if you pay thirty dollars for a bunk, you'll get it. You can get a shower. You can do laundry. Um, they're all different. Some of them do the laundry for you because they don't want you like fucking up their washing machine. Um, or putting too big of a, you know, closed load in there or something like that. So um, it can get expensive, but some people will just pay for a shower, pay for laundry, go to the grocery store, get their stuff, and get back on trail and camp some more, you know. Um, But there's some people that will go to town and stay there for a few days. And the thing I spent the most money on was food because you don't have, you know, you're eating – 
that trash, a cold food for a week or, you know, three or four days. And then you're like, oh, I can't wait to get a burger and fries and I'm going to get a hot dog and get some nachos. You know, you think of all this stuff. And when you get to town, you know, you, you just spend, like, I remember spending like 40 bucks on food and like, I was like, why did I buy all this? I can't eat it. Um, but you have what's called hiker hunger. It's, you know, I still have it like the other night. Um, my parents cooked fish and I ate way more than I usually do. I ate all the fries like that I had on my plate and all the extra fries. I ate those too. And then like two hours later, you're like, man, I'm hungry again. So I've probably gained, you know, 10 pounds since I've been done with the trail. But man, yeah, I can imagine how good are those days when you finally get off trail oh, and man, go yeah. into town. And you've been thinking about a hamburger With for chili. eight days. I'm gonna take a shower. Yeah. What dude. was the longest gap before between towns or between showers or whatever? So the longest I went was eight days, which is not too bad, you know. But you're, you know, you you get used to how how you stink. Like you, I remember it when at first, like I was didn't have a shower for a handful of days, and like I've come across these day hikers, and they're you know, probably 20 feet away. I'm like, man, I can smell their dryer sheets. I can smell their shampoo. It smells like, so good. Yeah. yeah, it does smell good at first. But then I remember like one of the last, like actually the last day, like my buddy Trey came up to hike with me. He brought my van up and he uh, was wearing deodorant and I was walking behind. I'm like, man, that's giving me a headache. Like, oh dang. you know, I've been off the trail since October 3rd and like I ha- I've had a stick of deodorant since then, but I forget to wear it. Like I probably put deodorant on. Like, You're all twice. natural. Yeah, man. So you just, you know, it, it's, yeah, your stri- life is stripped down to its core. I mean, you have like all this expensive backpacking stuff, but it makes you really appreciate the small things. Like I remember I was probably seven or eight days in and like uh, I had a friend that picked me up and took me to this hotel in Hiawassee. So it's like one of the first like towns you kind of come across that you can go stay at. And where uh, is that? It's in Tennessee. I mean, it's in, uh, I think it's, it's still in Georgia. In Georgia. So okay. like Georgia is... I think 78 miles of, of the trailer in Georgia. So it was, it was within the first 78 miles. You know, I wasn't doing many miles at first. Um, so she takes me there and, and I remember like, she like came and hiked with me some and then I got back to her car. I was like, man, I can't wait to sit in the front seat of her car. Cause you know, you're sitting on rocks and the ground and stuff. So it makes you really appreciate like Just all the little things, the little things. Yeah. Like <laughs> food and a chair and uh running water so like it's it's pretty awesome as far as like you know getting back to it like that any memorable meals uh when you got back into town that like after doing maybe an eight day stretch we were like dude i've been dreaming of a pizza of a big mac or something (laughs) so in um yeah i mean i always got got stuff like that but i remember like it was pretty far into the trail in vermont there's this place that you just constantly hear about as you're getting further north it's a place called the yellow deli and it's a cult. Oh. So, yeah. So, they're like the nicest people in the world, but you get up there and it's definitely like... It's a cult. Like, hey, like a full-blown cult. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we got up there on a Saturday and that's when they have their their meeting or whatever it is. So, like, we got brought in and they start giving us food and stuff like that. So, it's pretty, pretty interesting. But the Yellow Deli is just like, you can walk in there and eat and the food is like phenomenal. Um, the food they give you for free wasn't that great. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But like... Um, they give just, you a robe to wear, and, <laughs> a little little headband, and <laughs> yeah. here not, light this candle or whatever. But yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty, uh, and, and they're like, you know, we don't believe in money, so you don't have to pay us. To, what they're like, yeah. what's what's more important is your time. So they they kind of pull people in, and there's people that get stuck there, and you know, so it's pretty interesting. You have to draw a hard line. Like, all right, yeah. thanks for the ham sandwich. Like they take, I am leaving. <laughs> yeah, they take, and they have a farm too. Like you can go work on their farm. It's like 
stuff like that. So I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm here to, to finish my hike. I'm not getting caught in all that stuff. That's cool. They uh, feed you though, I guess. Yeah. But the food that you, in the restaurant, you have to pay for. Yeah. But you get like free breakfast and free dinner and stuff like that if you're, if you're staying there. But they say like, you know, your time is more important than money. So if you're helping them out, then that's better than you, you pay them. But they do take donations. I mean, they got to pay rent and stuff like that. Sure. So money is important a little bit to them, but yeah. Um, All right, I gotta check out the Colt Yellow Deli. There, uh, there's one in, cool. in like Chattanooga too, I think. Okay. <laughs> there's like a few of them all around the. Uh, I can't think of their name. Um, See, I if think I can it's get the, in, the twelve. Get the, I think the twelve tribes is their actual like name of their thing. The Yellow Deli is just that restaurant up there that they like work out of and stuff. That's crazy. Pretty interesting, but they had really good food, and there was a couple more places that I ate at that were really good up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just good, good food all along the trail. You know, you just, it doesn't matter if it's a, a Zaxby's or a McDonald's <laughs> or some like fine place that you go and sit in. So like, it's, you know, it was good food everywhere. Um, you did finish the trail. Uh, kudos for that, man. Yeah. That's a yeah, huge definitely. accomplishment. Thank you. How Appreciate do you it. feel that the, are you a, the same person you were when you started or did you, any major life changes or new direction in life that you're going to go now as a result of this? Well, I remember always before, like, I wanted to do these, like, backpacking trips, whether it's two days or three days and, like, based around photography. But I'm always like, what am I going to eat? You know, I can't hike that far. I don't, I'm not good at this and that. So with the trail, the AT, I just kind of jumped into it. So now I'm, like, comfortable doing all kinds of stuff. So I'm definitely going to do more through hikes in the, in the future. Um, I've got a ton of them that are, like, on my radar that I want to do. But as far as, like, you know, a lot of people will get on the trail and they're like searching for, you know, something, you know, to, to touch their soul or like life changing. They're, they're looking for answers, you know, in their life or something like that. And one, one person, you know, told one of my friends are like, you know, whatever you're looking for to get out of this trail, like don't expect to find that at the end, you know, and that was really important that I think she, she took that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I just did it because I wanted to do something challenging, man. Yeah. And it was it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Doesn't have to be this crazy spiritual yeah. journey, I guess. Um, and I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, like uh, I was watching this documentary the other day, and, he, and the guy said, like, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the journey will answer questions that you didn't know to ask in the beginning. So I always thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um. But you yeah, com- when you completed it, uh, I'm sure you were ready to, to be done. Uh, was there any point during the entire trip where you thought about throwing in the towel? Or you're Every like, day. Am I really <laughs> going to make day. it? Every day. So it's kind of like a continuous circle of like, you know, what the fuck am I doing here? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, you, you come across this view or maybe a person that just changes your whole outlook on it. So you you do that every day for a while. But I think like the second half of the trip, like when I knew I was going to finish unless like something happened at home that I had to get off for or, you know, something um, happened to me, like some kind of injury. Like I knew, you know, barring those, like I was still I was going to finish. So I think like halfway through towards the end, every day it wasn't a thing of, man, this is stupid while I'm out here. But at first, especially when you're by yourself and you don't have anybody else that, to motivate you, because there's plenty of times where like, you know, I, I didn't get out of camp until 9 or 10 a.m. But if I had like, other, the point, with, with the other people with me, like, you know, we, we would get up at 7 and, you know, usually not break camp 
you know, too late around 8 a.m., which is still pretty early. But like I said, towards the end, it got really bad as far as like you have to start at six if you want to get your miles in because <laughs> the days are so short. Yeah, dude, I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. Um, another thing that, that I really like, so <clears throat> um, there was a town we got to and we called this dude up for a ride. He came and picked us up and uh, he had a book in his, his card that he wanted everybody in there to, to list like your trail name and then write like what the trail has taught you, like the biggest thing that has taught you. And I didn't ever write anything in there because he was supposed to give us a ride the next day. So he's like, you have tonight to think about it. You can write your entry tomorrow. But we didn't get a ride from him the next day because something didn't line up. So I didn't ever get to write in his book. But um, one person wrote, you know, that like if you're hiking the trail and you see somebody else that's a through hiker, you're instantly like connected, your friends. Like I remember I was at a five guys eating and this other through hiker walked up. He was like, hey, you mind if I sit with y'all? I mean, if you're out at a restaurant, there's nobody that's going to walk up. And so it's just to be more like acceptive of strangers. Like, you know, like if we could all do that, then like just, you know, the society that, you know, we live in would be pretty incredible. Um, because I know if I come across another person, I'm like, oh, you're a through hiker. Like you instantly start talking about, you know, stuff that you would never talk to even your friends about. Like I remember coming across this, this couple and, and, uh, two hours later we're talking about shit. <laughs> about like how, you know, you went and pooped here and pooped there. And then like this, this one privy was really bad. So it's just, you know, you, you get straight to the point when you're, when you're through hiking. All right. We got, uh, you've got one photo on your Instagram that I specifically asked to, to ask you about. Katie, if you scroll down just a little bit, um, right there in the middle, <laughs> what is the story behind this photograph right here? So it looks like this was, uh, 1500 miles in. I couldn't really remember where it was. Alex explained what we're looking at right now. <laughs> we, have, we appear to see Justin sitting on a box toilet out in the middle of the woods. You're pants are around your ankles and you're just like lost in thought i guess i don't know and i'm assuming you also set up this camera to get this photo well i didn't have a tripod so i had to ask my friend i'm like hey will you take my picture of me sitting on the the..." so they call them privies like my first day i was like what it says it's spelled p-r-i-v-y so like the first day i was on trail i was like what's a privy (laughs) like i had no idea what a privy was but a privy is the toilet you know so they, they always have signs at shelters that tell you where the toilet is um, but usually, oh, so they put these out here. Yeah. So okay. usually there's walls and it's like some of them are the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. And some of them are nice. Like there's a video that I made where somebody had put air fresheners in there. It had one of those no slam <laughs> lids on the toilet for some <laughs> it reason. Slowly <laughs> yeah. closes. What? Uh, it had like a whole thing, a hand sanitizer. So I was like, this is a pretty nice privy. Um, but you know, some of them are like the shits almost at the top, and there's flies everywhere. That you don't know if there's spiders in there. Oh, dude! So this has really taken my you know restroom like uh, expectations way down. So like, I'll probably use any kind of toilet now. I mean, You're like literally crapping in a box. It, yeah, looks, well, like, I, I really, it looks like a milk crate. I really didn't have to. Yeah, it really, it honestly does. I didn't honestly have to use the restroom there. I just sat you on just the toilet. You just took a picture. Yeah, yeah but that's still fun. But I would have used it. Actually, I think I did use it. And then I went back and said, hey, will you come take my picture? Because there's only like two or three privies along the whole trail that are like that with no walls. There's one in New Hampshire that supposedly has like a really good view. So I wanted to get like a wide shot from behind of me just sitting on it. But, you know, you don't stop at every shelter. So I, I, we couldn't remember which one it was. Oh, um, that's a, a very majestic looking photo. Yeah. Thank you. It's awesome. Uh, what's next? You, um, I was going to ask you about your tattoo. That looks like a fresh tattoo on your yeah, finger. Is it that is. due that, to the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, that's just how they 
how they write AT, like on all the signs and stuff. You can get one on every finger. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking, so the Triple Crown is, you know, the, eight, the Appalachian Trail. Then you have the PCT, which is the Pacific Crest Trail. And then the CDT, which is the Continental Divide Trail. Um, so I was thinking, you know, if I do those three, just, you know, put put one on each knuckle. Dude, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. I have a cool um, story behind it like that. Yeah, that was actually my first tattoo. <laughs> really? <laughs> Never really? had one before, yeah. Ah. So I uh, got that, um, and actually one of my uh, one of the guys that I became really good friends with, he's from Atlanta. He's a tattoo artist over there. So I'm gonna go to him for like more more elaborate Appalachian Trail tattoo. But I just wanted to get this. This is kind of like uh, you know, I don't out on a limb, and, and he's got this. So that's badass. Yeah. yeah, it's got a story behind it and stuff. And I yeah. think that'd be sick to get it across your knuckles. Like yeah, that. that'd be cool. I think um, so, too. so are you thinking about tra- uh, tackling the, the PCT or, or any of these yeah, other big so trails next? Yeah, so I'm thinking of doing it for sure. I really don't know if I want to do the CDT, which is the Continental Divide Trail. But if I do the PCT, then I'm two-thirds of the way there. So it's like I kind of have to have to do the, the Triple Crown. Um, so I was thinking next summer that if I don't want to do like a super long-distance hike, like 2,000-plus miles, like – I might do the Colorado Trail, which is, you know, in Colorado. It goes from Denver, right outside of Denver to Durango. It's 485 miles. Um, be a little bit different than the AT because, you know, you're probably above, like, exposed tree line most of the time. And you are uh, you don't go above 14,000 feet, but I think there's, like, side trails to hit some 14ers and stuff like that. But I think that would be a really cool hike. I've, you know, always liked Colorado from just going out there and, and, and shooting it and stuff like that. Um, so I was thinking of doing it, it'd be cool to, to also like take my time and make my way towards California and then do the John Muir trail, which starts in Yosemite and it ends at Mount Whitney, which is the tallest mountain in the contiguous U S. So I think that one would be cool. I think it's, I can't remember how many miles it is. It's 200 something miles Mm. and then get done with it and then make my way up to Washington state and do the Wonderland Trail, which just goes around Mount Rainier. It's 90 miles long. Yeah. So I think knocking those three hikes out in the summer would be really cool. But we'll see. You know, you never know. There's a, there's, so the, the Continental Divide goes, you know, from like the Mexican border up, you know, through uh, Montana and pretty much ends at, it ends at the Canadian border. But then in Canada, there's one called the Great Divide Trail, which goes through, it's only like 800 miles long. But it goes only 800 yeah, only eight hundred miles. But it goes to Banff National Park and Jasper National Park. But that one would probably be pretty intense because you know you got dude, do, you got to time that right, man. Don't, yeah, don't they get like buried and snow up there? Yeah, you got to do it in the late summer, and then you got to worry about grizzly bears and stuff like that. But also, dude. but also, it's it's not like a trail. It's like you're following an ATV trail, then you might road walk for a little while, then you might get on this actual footpath. Um, so maybe in a couple summers when I'm more experienced, I'll tackle that one. I hear you, man. Well, well you dude, t- that's... Yeah, you touched on before about writing in that guy's book, your trail name and your experiences. Did you have a trail name? You got yeah. A trail Is that name. a thing? Let's yeah. hear it. My trail name was Gump, like Forrest Gump. Gump Let's go. Gump. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. So being from Alabama, that kind of played a part. But then there was one night at, I was at a hostel and... I drank like three Dr. Peppers. So I don't know if y'all remember that scene where <laughs> he drinks all the Dr. Peppers and he's like, I got to pee. So like, yeah. Gump. Yeah, Gump. that's a good one. My boy Gump. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. So I don't know if you keep that going on to your next hike. Some people say, oh, you got to come up with a new one. But, you know, we'll see. No, nah, man, I keep Gump. That's yeah, cool. I yeah, like it. Red. I like it. 
Well, that's awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming to hang and, yeah. and telling us about your experience. And yeah, I know. Um, if anybody else watches this that they've through hiked before, that was kind of all around the place. But, um, hopefully, it shed some light on other people that are you know if you're I tell people if you're ever on the fence about doing a, a through hike, just do it, man. Would um, you recommend this one as a good first one to do? Oh yeah. The trail is tough. Like the trail is going to kick your ass. Like there's parts where, you know, people from the outside looking in might think, oh, he's just walking through the woods. But man, you gain and lose like over 550,000 feet of elevation, which is like the equivalent of hiking Mount Everest. Like, I don't know how many times, 20 something times, I guess. Too many times. Yeah. And you're not, it's not a dirt path all the time. You're rock hopping, you're rock scrambling. It's, you know, there's been a blind guy that do it that's done it, which makes it seem easy, but I don't see how he did it in some parts. There's a five-year-old that did it this year, but I'm like, this five-year-old couldn't cross this river. Yeah. <laughs> they would be like, I, yeah. yeah. You're they questioning might. the authenticity. Of yeah. The but I mean, like it's, it's for everybody, you know, um, the logistics of it are pretty easy. There's no training you need to do. Just, I mean, like I pass, I don't know how many people that were like, I don't have any backpacking experience and I just hiked the Appalachian trail. Like, it's definitely a trail you can just get on and, and start walking. Just start walking. Yeah. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Um, life changing, you know, uh, it, you know, that's, it's kind of hard to explain. Like I, I can't still can't put it into words about like how it impacted me. Um, some people probably can, um, maybe I could write it in a, in a book one day. I don't know, but, um, it's definitely hard to express like how awesome it was to words and, but like I, you know, people are going to come up with excuses, you know, excuse after excuse why they can't do it. Um, and I do want to talk about tennis. Can do you mind pulling him up? The uh, the guy, the older guy that I have a picture of. Yeah, I saw him on your feet too. Yeah, so I came across him. Um, one of the, I was in the Smokies, and you know he was seventy nine years old, and he's through hiking the trail for the second time. Um, and I remember meeting him. And a lot of older people that were like over 60 that are doing the trail, they come from all other, all over the country, all different backgrounds, raised different, you know, here and there. But one thing that they all had in common was they would always say, I wish I would have done this when I was younger. Now, a lot of people have, you know, kids and families to, to take care of and stuff. But I mean, like, if, if there's any way that you could just get away to, to do the trail, like I would just highly suggest it. Cause I mean, it was, it was either like college graduates that I would meet or people that were, you know, above 50 or above 60 that were retired. There's rarely people out there that were my age doing it. Um, hmm. so. Cause you get caught up in life and, and yeah. have a, like you said, you know, you can think of all the excuses in the world. Uh, yeah. And it, it makes you like realize like how little you need in life to be happy. <laughs> like, uh, it'll show you something. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, working 14 years, you know, when I first started out working, you're, you're chasing money and stuff like that. But I mean, that's, I mean, you, you're going to buy what shoes that you're in 10 years, you're not going to remember having or a TV that you're just going to, you know, want a bigger TV or something like that. So what I was after was just the experiences and the memories, you know, those are going to last forever. Um, I'll always remember those and hopefully I create more. That's dude, rad, that's, man. That's super rad, man. Um, well, yeah, dude, that's, that's so cool. And, and thanks for coming to hang. Like I said, yeah. uh, on the repeat, we had you on once before and, and it's rad to, uh, get you back on after the yeah. trail. So thanks for having me. I'm glad you guys invited me out to, yeah. to talk about the trail. Yeah.